I, can I be, just be totally honest with you this morning? I'm shocked at the, this wonderful crowd that we have this morning. Hey, you shouldn't hear that coming from the pastor's uh, mouth. But I have learned through the years that, and church growth specialists will tell you this, that the most, the best attended day of the year is Mother's Day, and the worst attended day of the year is Father's Day. Because mothers want their kids to come to church with them, and fathers, all they want is bacon. They don't care about anything else. And so a lot of times the crowd is a little bit lower on Father's Day, but my goodness, this is a wonderful crowd today, and I'm delighted that you're here to share it with me. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. And uh, I don't think I've ever preached on this particular subject through the years on Father's Day. Because this passage of Scripture, or a couple of, one of the Scriptures, two of the Scriptures that I'm going to share with you this morning, is a reference to a prophetic happening that would happen in the future. Uh, it's ap apocalyptic in nature, which means that it's pointing to a day in the future when God is going to move and do things on this earth that will bring things to a close. Uh, but if you, this afternoon, if you'd like to read Ezekiel chapter 1, and particularly verse 10, and then again in Revelation chapter 4 verse 7, what you get here is a picture of four faces that are revealed to Ezekiel and to John in uh, the Spirit. And these four faces are found on cherubims that were created by God. And God was trying to give us a message and let us know that in the last days that there's going to be a special breed of leadership that is going to be necessary in the last days to bring about the things of the kingdom of God. Now the four faces that you'll read about in Ezekiel and then in Revelation is the face of an eagle, an ox, a lion, and a man. I found this piece of artwork on uh, the internet that pictures this to some degree and they're, they're, the cherubim are on the screen right now. And these cherubim were created by God with these particular faces so that he could say, this is the kind of characteristics that we're going to need among the people of God in the last days. And I was thinking about it and reading about it and studying about it. And I thought, that's exactly what we need in our fathers I read this week on Fox News and CNN both that one of the greatest problems that we're facing in the world today is absentee fatherism, or fathers. It's fathers that just aren't there. Fathers that just haven't shown up. Fathers that, not, that are just not a part of their families. They've made babies, but they haven't fathered those children. And it's one of the greatest problems that we face in the world today. So as I began to think about those kinds of things, I thought these are the very characteristics that we need to see in our fathers and in the men of the United States of America today. So for a few minutes this morning, I want to talk to you about the faces 
of fatherhood, the faces of fatherhood. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. The writer says, Be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you will give me strength to be able to carry out this message today and bring it in such a way that we can understand it and receive it, apply it to our lives, to become strong in our faith and strong leaders to our families. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So as we look at these four cherubim that, uh, that are pronounced to us and revealed to us in Ezekiel and Revelation, as I've already said, there are four particular faces that are seen. Now, if you go back and study Ezekiel and Revelation, you find that these cherubim, they look like men, but they have enhancements to their, to their being that is different. They have wings. They have hands that come underneath their wings. They have faces. Each one of them possess the face of, of the other three. And one is a primary face. The other three faces are to the right and to the left and to the rear. But each one of them has a particular quality that is necessary. Now, not only do they have their faces and the wings and the arms and the hands and things of that nature, but as you study it out, you discover that each one of them have a wheel that is designed for them and assigned to them. Have you ever heard the terminology, there's a wheel within a wheel? It's an Old Testament term where it talks about the wheels here in Ezekiel. And they are aligned with the eyes of the Spirit. And when these cherubim move, the wheels just automatically stand up and follow them wherever they're going. When they're still, the wheels just lay down below them. But when they begin to move with the Spirit, the wheels rise up and they move together. Scripture tells us that as they move, they go straight forward. They don't go to the right, they don't go to the left, but they move their bodies just like this. They, they just never, they don't turn like this, they don't turn like that, but their bodies are always straight on. And they're always listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit directs them. So these cherubim are quite interesting creatures that were created by God. I would like to suggest to you today that the characteristics of these creatures that are revealed to us are characteristics that every father, that every man needs to emulate in their lives. So I want to share with you the four things that are represented by each one of these creatures. Now the first one is the face of an eagle. The face of the eagle. And from this we learn that we are to be alert and that we are to be on the watch. So fathers, I want you to understand today that the eagle's eyes are sharp. And they are ever vigilant. They are looking for prey. They are looking for the enemies that might come against their family. And their eyes are always open 
and they're always aware of what is going on in and around them. Whether they're nested, or whether they're on a perch, or whether they're flying, one of the traits of the eagle is their sharp eyesight. They can be high in the sky and see a cricket or a mouse running through the field, and just that quickly, they can swoop down and get that mouse or that cricket or that bug or that grasshopper or whatever. They can even go into the lake and get fish and pull them right out because their eyes are open. They are watchful. They are always aware of their circumstances. So, Father, as I think about that, I think about how that we have to be watchful over our families. It's not my wife's responsibility to be watchful over the family. She has her role. She has her responsibilities. But as the leader of the household, as the father of the house, it's my responsibility to always make sure that I'm fully aware of my family, that I am watchful of the things that might be happening in and around my family. 1 Peter chapter 5 Verse 8 says, be sober-minded and be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now let me tell you something that you already know. The devil is out to destroy your family. You know that, right? He would love nothing more than to be able to tear your family apart to destroy your children, to destroy your grandchildren, to destroy your legacy. There's nothing the enemy would love more than to do that. But according to Scripture, we have the authority and the right and the responsibility to be watchful so that when he comes around to try to destroy our family, we're prepared and we're ready. And we have the weapons of the warfare that is necessary to protect our family. So fathers, you've got to keep your eyes open. You've got to watch your wife and see if there's anything in her life that needs your involvement. Sometimes we have to correct one another. Sometimes we have to encourage one another. Sometimes we have to ask the hard questions in order to get the answers that are necessary for us to have spiritual victory in our homes. We have to be watchful. We have to watch our money and make sure that our money is used properly on behalf of our family. We have to watch our purity. Fathers, God expects us to be pure and holy before Him. Without holiness, the Scripture says, no man shall see God. It's our responsibility to watch our purity. Now, some of you kids are going to squirm a little bit this morning, but, well, they're not in here. So uh, they're in the back, so they may not hear this after all. But, you know, it's the parent's responsibility to say to the kid, you know, I'm not so sure that that place that you're going or that thing that you're doing or that mindset that you have right now is proper for you. I always get tickled at Jovi. Because Jovi is at the age, 10 years of age, where she wants to be 16. You know, she wants to dress like a 16-year-old. She wants to wear makeup. And her daddy has said, you can't wear makeup yet. It's not time for that. 
Of course, she thinks that's the dumbest thing ever, you know. But you know, it's not Jovi's responsibility to determine how she should be dressing right now and living her life. It is the responsibility of her father and her mother who are watchful over those trends that may be coming into her life that could possibly bring damage in some way to her. So we have to watch over our children. Do you ever notice that sometimes kids will want to say things that they shouldn't say? And sometimes we just let it go in one ear and out the other ear. I remember when Erin was just a little kid, kindergarten I think, she came in from school one day and she, like she always did, she'd go straight to the refrigerator and she'd open it up to get something out, a little snack or whatever, and she'd open it up. She did that day and she looked and whatever it was she was looking for, she couldn't find. And she just took that door and she just slammed it shut and said, oh, the S word. And it was just mind-blowing to me. Her grandparents were sitting there. We were sitting there. We both looked at each other like, did we just hear what we heard? And so I said, Aaron, what did you say? That was the dumbest thing that you should ever ask because now they have to say it twice. You know what I'm saying? And I said, where did you hear that? And she looked at me and she said, church? And I said, no, ma'am. I said, you've not heard that in this house? You have not heard that at church? And then we talked to her about what she could and couldn't say and all that. And I always got tickled and I always remember she said, Dad, she said that's so many words. She said, could you make me a list, please? She wanted a list so that she could make sure. But what I'm saying is, is that we've got to keep our eyes open. We've got to see what kind of trends in the world could be affecting our family. And we must be prepared to fight it. Now, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. But even this week, there's this news story about a little child that I think is four or five years old, and they, the parents have talked this child in to becoming transgender. You know, I heard this week, and I like this thought, is that don't, don't talk to our kids about homosexual, uh, homosexuality and transgenderism. Don't even speak to my kids at school about heterosexuality. Don't talk to my kids at all about the kinds of things that I as a parent have the right to talk to them about. If you want to talk to them about math, talk to them about math, science, history. But leave those other issues to the godly leadership of a mom and dad who are walking in the Spirit of God. So we've got to keep our eyes open. Secondly, the, the second face is the ox. The ox is an animal that just stands firm in the faith. Now Ephesians chapter 6 verses 13 through 18 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. 
in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now the ox signifies someone who is strong and unwilling to quit. They just take their position and they stand. And when they're called upon, they muster up the strength to move whatever needs to be moved from where it is to where it needs to be. They have the strength to plow the ground when necessary. But the ox just doesn't quit. He serves, he gives, he nurtures, he plods. The ox is faithful to his commitments. When something is expected of him, he does it. You can just count on him to be present and on time and committed. We have people in this church that are like that. Our church has the success that it has because we We've got a group of oxen that are members of this church. I've said this many times before. I don't know that I've ever said it from the pulpit. But I wish I could take Bill Dietz and clone him about ten times. He's one of the most faithful guys that I know. If ever there was an ox in this church, it's Bill Dietz. And I mean that in a good way. He's always faithful. I don't have to unlock the doors. I don't have to set the temperature. I don't have to turn on the sound system. Many of those things I wouldn't even know how to do because Bill's been doing it for so many years. I remember when I first came here. The church was ready to, we were ready to have church and I'm coming here, I'm early, I'm turning stuff on and when church is over, I'm turning it on. He looked at me and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm turning the lights off. I'm turning the air off. I'm turning the heat off. I'm doing... He said, no, no. He said, that's not what you do around here. He said, that's my job. I'll take care of that. Don't you worry about that. From that day to this day, I've never come to this building and the doors were locked. I've come a couple of times and the sound system wasn't on yet, but that's because he hadn't quite gotten around to it yet. But he is an ox... He is faithful. He is committed. And fathers, what our families need from us is they need for us to be committed to the things of fatherhood. They don't need us to be inconsistent. They need us to keep our position and to hold our faith firm and strong. The ox gets stronger when demands are placed upon it. I'm man enough and I'm human enough that there are times that if I allow myself to think this way, I can think, man, I don't want anybody to ask anything of me at all today. I don't want my kids to ask anything. I don't want my wife to ask anything. I don't want anybody from the church to ask anything. I don't want anybody ask me anything because I'm tired and I just want to sit on the couch and veg out. 
Do you know what happens? Some will, someone will call and say, could you help pray with me about this? Or Donna will say, can you help me with this? Or the kids will say, Dad, do you mind if you help with this? And you know what I've discovered through the years? That people who are oxes, they're just committed. And when the demand is made upon them, they just say, go ahead, put the yoke on me. And when you tell me it's time to go, I'm going to start pulling. And you pull together. And you make it work. Dads, let me tell you, your family needs for you to be strong in the faith. Don't wuss out. Don't be some sissy boy. Some sissy man who just can't hardly pull yourself through life. Square your shoulders. Stand strong in the faith. Ask God to help you. Whatever you need, He will give you. Scripture says He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So there should be no lack in your life. When your family makes a demand on you that seems unreasonable to you, the best thing in the world you can do is meet that demand and do it with all the strength that you can do. Because there will come a day when they will look back and they'll say, I always knew that I could count on my dad few years back, I bought a uh, Ford F-250 Super Duty diesel. And I'd never had a diesel before, diesel truck. And I was a little concerned. Number one, do I really need that much of a hoss of a truck? Number two, will I know what to do with it if I get it? And number three, do I even have the, the money to be able to put diesel in it? I didn't know I was going to be paying $6 a gallon for it. Right now, old Super Duty, Super Duty just sits in the, in the driveway. But when, listen, when it's time to start him and go, he'll be ready to go. I asked a few guys who had had a diesel. I said, should I? What do I need to think about? One of them told me this, said, listen, if all you want to do is just drive it around town, go back and forth to the church, whatever, you don't need that much truck. It's too much truck for you. He said, but if you're going to pull stuff, if you're going to tow things, if you're going to work that baby, then that's the truck for you. But they said, don't baby that truck. Make that truck work for you. That's what it was designed to do. And when you pull it down in drive or in four-wheel drive, or in tow mode, just realize that that thing's going to kick in, and it's going to pull anything you put behind it. So far, I've never found anything yet that that F-250 won't pull wherever it needs to go. When I'm pulling my camper and I get on an incline, that thing just kicks right in. And I'll be honest with you, I have to watch my speed. Because it's got more oomph than I've got gumption. And it'll start going faster than I need it to go, and I have to back off. Why? Because it's an ox. It's doing what it was designed to do. It means business. And when a demand is placed on that engine, it gladly does what it was designed to do. Dads, are you getting it? God didn't design you to be some sissy. Just barely making it through life. 
just unable emotionally to be able to deal with all the junk. No. No, He made you strong. He gave you the characteristics of a man that will help you through every situation. And when the demands of life and your family are placed upon you, you don't have to wilt down like a flower in the sun, but you can stand strong and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I guarantee you there will come a day in the life of your children and your wife when they will say, I remember that time when I didn't know if our family was going to make it or not, but Dad stood strong. Dad held us up. Dad kept us going. Dad got us to church. God, Dad made sure that we were reading the Word of God. Dad made sure that we had prayer time. Dad made sure that we had everything that we needed to be the, the men and women of God that God called us to be. So men, I'd like to suggest to you today that God wants us to not only be an eagle and be watchful, but He wants us to be an ox and be strong. And then the third face is the face of a lion. The face of a lion. Paul says this, he says, act like men and be strong. Fight. Fight. Don't be a weenie. Stand up and square your shoulders when you have to. An interesting passage of Scripture found in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 8 says, From the Gadites there went over to David at the stronghold in the wilderness mighty and experienced warriors. They were experts with shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions and who were swift as gazelles upon the mountains. David's putting his army together, and he's not interested in those guys that wear the khakis and the dress shirts and the ties and all that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with any of that, but that's not what he's looking for. He needed some guys that knew how to fight. He needed some guys that could stand face to face with the enemy. Roll their sleeves up if they had to. And it says from the Gadites, there went over to David, men who met those qualifications, their faces were like lions. I don't know, I'm not much of a fighter. Never did like to fight much. Had to a couple of times when I was in school. But you know, it was just one of those, you know how you fight when you're in school. You just kind of push each other a couple of times and then decide... Yeah, I'd rather do something else than this. There are some times in life that you have to fight. I'm not talking about punching somebody in the face. I'm not even talking about pulling a gun and all those kinds of things. I'm just saying that there are some times that you have to stand up and say, enemy, I'm not going to let you have my children. I'm not going to let you have my grandchildren. I'm not going to let you have my wife. I'm not going to let you do this to my family. Because I have more than enough power and authority through Jesus Christ that I can overcome you without any problem whatsoever. These guys that ran with David, they were tough characters. 
they look like lions. Let me tell you something. When the enemy comes against your family, you better put on your lion face because the enemy's not playing games. The Bible says that he's trying to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus said, the Lion of Judah, I have come so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Men, what do you need to be fighting about? You know, Donna and I, we were having this discussion with the girls the other day. And one of them, they said, Pops, do you and Grammy fight much? I said, no, we don't, we don't fight much. Do you ever talk mean to each other? No, we don't talk mean to each other. So are you sure? I said, no, we decided a long time ago. I said, I made up my mind when I married this woman. I did not want a partner in crime. I did want, not want a partner that I had to fight with every day of my life. Now, we've had to learn how to discuss things. But we don't fight. It's not worth the effort. There's not anything in this world that is more important to me than her well-being and the well-being of my children. So we don't fight each other, but we fight in the faith. We pray with one another. There are times, and a few nights ago, I didn't have the strength to pray for myself. And she reached over and grabbed my hand and started praying for me in the Spirit. I'm telling you, just a few minutes later, I was feeling strong. Because we're partners. We don't fight one another. We're in the same battle, and the battle is against the enemy of our soul, not against each other. The same is true of our family. I don't fight with my kids. I raise them to do what Scripture teaches, and I just learn how to put them in the Lord's hands. And I'm thankful that God has given them the strength to be lions on their own behalf. Dads, there are times that you have to fight. I remember the time that I, I fought for Jonathan several years ago. I didn't literally fight. But we had moved to a new church, and it was in the middle of the school year, and he was getting bullied. Jonathan was not the size then that he is now. There was this kid that was bullying him and calling him names and you know, calling him all kinds of things and just, and just getting everyone against him. So we talked to the school. I went and talked to the school. I said, look, if there's anything you can do to help my son kind of move through this, and I'd sure appreciate it. And they didn't do a thing. It just kept up and kept up. And so I told Jonathan, I said, all right. I said, you're not going to find this in the Bible. I said, but the next time that kid says something to you like that, I said, I want you to ball up your fist. I want you to bust him right between the eyes. I said, the more of the nose that you can get, the better you'll be. Sure enough, it's just a couple days later, I got a phone call from the school, and they called me in to the office. Because this kid kept it up, and Jonathan had him up against the locker, and he was drawn back like this, and he was getting ready to bust his face before one of the hall monitors caught him. So they called me in, and they gave me this once over and gave me this 
lecture and all that kind of stuff and said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Call yourself a man of God and a, and, and a pastor and all that kind of stuff. And I, let, I just let them talk. When they were all, all done, I said, now listen. I said, I came to you and asked you for your help. And you wouldn't help. And so we took matters into our own hands. I said, I'll guarantee you that we won't have another issue with this boy bullying my son. It's over. If you need to put me in detention, you can do it. I said, but sometimes you just got to stand up and fight for yourself. Uh, don't anybody leave today, please. And say that pastor said it would be all right for you to bust somebody in the nose. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, is that there are times that we've got to put on the face of the lion so that when the enemy comes and attacks, we can make sure that he knows that we're up for the fight. If he thinks he's going to push us around, he better think twice because the Spirit of the living God lives within us and we are well able to do exceeding abundantly above all that the Spirit of God can do in us because He is in us. But then there's one other thing that I want to share with you this morning and then we'll close. He wants us to be watchful like an eagle. He wants us to be strong like an ox. He wants us to fight like a lion. And then He wants to put on the face of the man. The fourth creature was likened unto the face of a man. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says it like this. He says, let all that you do be done in love. It's always amazed me that Jesus was willing to leave the comforts of heaven to come to this earth and take on a physical body so that He could, res he could relate to you and me. Not only as an example, but the Bible says that He was tempted in all ways like as we are yet without sin. He feels the feelings of our infirmities. Now listen, I've talked to you about being watchful. I've talked to you about being strong. I've even talked to you about fighting if you have to fight the right things at the right time in the right way. But when I talk to you about being a man, Scripture wants you to be touchable. God wants you to be the kind of father that your kids can love and appreciate. They want you to be the kind of father that they can come climb up in your lap and you can hold them and hug them and watch a movie with them. I asked Harper the other day, I said, would you like for me to do your hair? Because she had it all braided. I said, who did it? She said, my mom. I said, did you know that I used to do your mother's hair? She's a little girl. She looked at me like I'd lost my mind. She said, what style did you do it in? I said, I used to put one of those little fountains up on the top of her head. She kind of comes up and falls over, and every now and then I'd do a ponytail, and she said, Pops, that's not really fixing hair. I said, it is for this, Pops. I want to be the kind of man that my kids look at and have a healthy respect of, but they know that there's not a man on the earth 
that loves them any more than I do. That if they need love, they can find it right here in the arms of this pops. Now, I can remember when our kids were little, I used to love to hold them and take naps with them. I'd lay them up here on my chest and just rub on them. And every time, when, when Jonathan was born and when Aaron was born and when our grandbabies were born, I'd always shave all of my facial hair off. Shave my beard, shave, shave my goatee, my mustache. I'd say, why would you do that? Because I wanted to put my face right up against theirs. I wanted them to feel something soft, hugging them, touching them, loving them. I wanted them to know that Dad loves them. Erin, I don't know why she would do this, but she would always want to come and sit on the couch beside me, and she'd take her bare foot. She'd just place it right here on my cheek. To this day, I don't know why she did that. Justin won't let her do that. She just put that little foot right here on my face. She was comforted. She just lay there beside me. Men, let me tell you something. When you get older, by the way, somebody said, how old are you now? I said, why? They said, are you 70 yet? got my lion face on and I was ready to bust them right between the eyes. I say, shame on you. you. Nothing wrong with being 70, but not when you're 63. We wanted to clarify that right now. But you know, I don't want my kids remembering me as some jacked up old man, some opinionated old fool, I want my kids to know me as someone who loved them. When they're playing sports at school, I want them to be able to look up in the stands and see Pops is up there. Coldest I've ever been in my life was when we lived in Michigan. And I would go to the football field when Aaron was on the dance team. They'd, they'd do what they did at halftime. It'd be freezing rain and snow and all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't going to miss that game because I wanted my little girl to be able to look up there in those stands and say, that's my dad. He loves me. Let me tell you something, men. Our family needs us to love them even when it feels like that they're unlovable. Even when it feels like that they're messing their entire life up. They need to know that we love them and that we care for them. We need to let all that we do be done in love. In Acts chapter 20, verse 37, there's a beautiful picture that's painted here. See, Apostle Paul, as he's writing and he is leaving the men that he had worked so closely with. And he was aware that in many instances, that he would never see them again. That this was it. This is the last time that they'll be able to share fellowship together. And as Paul is leaving, 
It says this in verse 37. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul. And they kissed him. Now in that day, for a man to kiss a man was very different than what we see in our society today. It was a matter of respect. It was a holy kiss. There was nothing sensual or sexual about it. It was a sign of respect. When they knew that Paul was leaving them and may never get to see him again, he fell at his feet and they embraced him and they kissed him. So what am I saying? Guys, don't be so tough that you can't let your kids kiss you. Don't be so tough that you can't hold them in your arms. Don't be so tough that you can't express love to your wife in very intimate ways. Don't be so tough that that's not a part of your relationship. Because it is the love in the long run that you'll be remembered for. did a funeral in Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. And, and the man that I went down to pay my respects to is a man that I worked with, a mentor of mine. He had been sick for such a long time. I wouldn't have even known who it was as he was laying in the coffin because of the, the effects of the illness on his body if I had known that I was going to see him. But I remembered all the times that he invested in me. He's not my dad. He's a pastor. But he loved me. And he wanted to see me succeed. And he wanted to see me do well. I've instructed my wife that whenever my time comes, I don't know, when I'm like 125, I say, I don't want you to lay me in a casket and open it up so that people will come by and look at me and say, that poor soul. You know, everybody always says he looks just like himself. They very rarely do. I said, I don't want that. I said, you close me up, and when people come by my casket, whenever that is, I want you to put pictures of me everywhere. Fun pictures. Good pictures. Smiling pictures. Hugging kisses. All those kinds of things that will help people say, you know that dude was a fun guy. He loved life. Loved his family. Loved his God. Put pictures of me baptizing people into the faith. There's no higher honor than to lead someone to Jesus. One of these days there's going to be a picture of me trying my absolute best to get Sam Williams under the water when I baptized him. I couldn't get him all under there. Try to push him down and his leg would come up. His foot would come up. He would not let me. He's only semi-baptized. I did the best I could. 
I want pictures like that. Whoever comes by my casket at my funeral, I want them to know this was a man who loved God and loved his family. He loved when he needed to. He fought when he needed to. He was strong when he needed to be strong. And he was ever watchful over his family and made sure that if there was anything that was happening that could affect them, that he would be right where he needed to be at the time that he needed to be. Can I tell you men, that you can live your life that way? God will help you. You don't have to lose your families. You don't have to be a meanie two-shoes to show your toughness. You can be a strong man of God and minister to your family in a way that will help them to succeed in this life. Will you stand with me this morning? Now here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'm not going to make you come down front because I know that there are guys that that makes them uncomfortable, that kind of thing. But dads, here's what I'd like to do this morning as we close out. I would like for you personally to lay your hands on every member of your family and pray for them. And when you have finished praying for them, I want you to give them a big bear hug and let them know how much you love them. I know some of you don't have fathers here today. Just bear with me. Let's just let these families bond in the Spirit for just a few moments. And then we'll pray together in just a moment. So as they begin to sing, dads, just go to your family. Pray for your wife. Pray for your kids. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for them and then love them and hug them. Let them know how much you appreciate them. Go ahead and do that now.
Amen. Amen. It's such a joy for me to be able to look out across this congregation and watch you hug one another, hold hands with one another, smile at each other. It's what God intended for our household. It's what God intended for our families. And I'm so thankful that He has given us the ability to live in harmony at home. So guys, I love you. I'm rooting for you. I don't know what face that you might have to pull out right now, whether it's the eagle or the ox or the lion or the man. But let me tell you, whatever face that you need to use, you can use it effectively on behalf of your family. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Don't forget, no gathering here at the church this Wednesday night because of camp meeting. Go by and tell a few people, how are you? And have a great Father's Day today. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.